Podcast at Triathlon Show 369. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and on today's episode I interview Olav Alexander Bu. Olav, as you are probably aware, is the coach of Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden. He was first on the podcast back in 2020 in episode number 264, when I think very few people had heard his name. And now if you follow Triathlon, uh, of course, you know who he is. And I'm really happy to welcome him back for another in-depth discussion of training, racing, uh, science and coaching and what makes Christian and Gustav such exceptional athletes with this year having won uh, the Ironman World World Championships in St. George uh, on Christian's side and in Kona on Gustav's side and also Christian winning the Ironman 73 world title in St. George. But before we get into the interview, big thanks to our sponsors, Precision Fuel and Hydration, that create sports nutrition products, uh, both fueling and hydration products, and they help you use them effectively through a range of free tools, services, and content. The Fuel and Hydration Planner on their website is a one-stop shop for figuring out an effective race hydration and fueling strategy for you. It's free and super easy to use. It only takes a couple of minutes to answer a handful of questions, and then you get a detailed, simple, and effective race plan. They also offer free video consultations, and as a listener of the podcast, you can get 15% off your first order of the range of electrolyte and carbohydrate products by using the code TTS22 at checkout on precisionfuelandhydration.com. And thank you to Zenate. The Zenate Indoor Swim Trainer is a unique trial and swim trainer that allows you to improve your technique power and swim training consistency it is a perfect tool to complement your pool and open water swimming as it allows you to do very specific power and technique work including working on your catch and your core activation and it makes it easier to stay consistent even when you can't go to the pool you can even use it to do activation work before a pool or open water swim or to do swim bike brick workouts more easily you can try the senate risk-free for up to 30 days so if you don't love it just send it back and you can get a special bundle including the swim bench and a bunch of senate training plans and on-demand workouts on senatewinterner.com for slash TTS. All right, so just a quick heads up, as I know not everybody might be completely familiar with the abbreviation WTCS, which we throw around a lot in this episode. It means the World Triathlon Championship Series, which is the highest level of racing in short course triathlon. And when we talk about races like Bermuda, the grand final in Abu Dhabi and Edmonton, which was the grand final last year, those are all WTCS races, just to make that clear so you can follow along in the context of the discussion. We don't really have much of an introduction here, but we jump straight into the content but if you're interested in more about Olav himself personally and his background then do go back and listen to my first interview with him uh, where we started off talking about that and it is a very interesting background so it's well worth listening now let's hear the interview with Olav Alexander Bu. welcome back to the triathlon show Olav Alexander how are you doing uh, thanks good it's nice to be done with the season and uh, actually be able to sit down and uh, have some uh, interesting conversations with uh, people like yourself yeah thank you um you're you're sitting down but you're still kind of working as we just <laughs> talked about briefly do you do you want to share with the listeners what you're up to right now uh so of course we are continuously looking to optimize our program uh so that means that i am on our uh, journey in uh, Morocco at the moment to see if we can find uh, even better altitude locations for 
or training moving into Paris 2024. And uh, what is the what is the altitude there where you are? Uh, so uh, currently I'm a little bit lower, uh, but we are going up to a location which is situated around 2,700-800 meters. So it's it's a tad more aggressive than I would ideally like, but this is of course where we're looking to maybe make some changes in the program and see if we're able to make the next step. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, well, Paris is looming large. We had, uh, as we're speaking now, we just had uh, the grand final happening uh, a few days ago. Um, well, first of all, uh, how did you and uh, and the athletes feel about the grand final? Uh, so, uh, of course, it was very short time after uh, Kona and uh, St. George uh, World Championship, so long course races. So we knew that this, what the time that we had available, it was very limited what we would be able to do. Also because of the travels between US and 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 and, uh, and uh, Europe. Uh, before before uh, Bermuda, of course, be- between Bermuda and, and and Saint George, it was only one week, and then with travels and everything, there is basically nothing you can do than recover more or less and maybe get in some workouts. But um, our goal was that, okay, Bermuda would be what Bermuda became uh, or whatever it would result in. Uh, The performance there was exceeding our expectations. Uh, Our goal for Abu Dhabi was to place top 10. Christian came uh, eight, I think. Eighth place uh, in Abu Dhabi. Uh, Gustav, uh, unfortunately, didn't feel too well uh, out on the bike already. Uh, So for him, we could maybe say that in in just from an ideal perspective, of course, we would like to have him top 10 as well. But uh, with the performance that we had in in, in Bermuda, we are very positive for the the return and the very little work we have had working or the ability we had to work on higher speeds uh, or specificity required to be competitive in vtcs racing yeah and uh paris uh of course you still have a lot of time to work for for that so so that will be a completely different story i'm, I'm sure than, than having barely time to do any any specific workouts uh with that being said looking back at this year of long distance focus um was it what you expected it to be in terms of the performances and and results or did it exceed expectations or uh yeah what what were your thoughts around that no, I, I would say it was pretty much on par with what we could expect. Uh, what we could expect, of course, there were some changes throughout the year uh, that uh, because of other interests and other things, so which made uh, or caused a little bit more noise in the program. But uh, but I would say that uh, pretty much on par. Uh, of course, I would like it to be even faster in Kona uh, than what it was, but uh, improving the record by uh, that much uh, still it's, it's good. But I, I'm I'm fairly confident, like I said before Kona, and I will I think uh, I can uh, and and uh, reinforcing here, and that is that the times in Kona we will see them go below. We, we, how much faster than 7.30? That I don't know, but that it, we, we will be able to go faster than 7.30, so 7.29 or something is completely doable in in uh, in Kona with 
enough time to specialize for it. Mm, yeah, and we might get to that topic a, a little bit later on. I do want to talk about the the level uh, of racing and so on, the competition uh, in long distance. Um, but uh, looking ahead to next year, going back uh, onto the WTCS circuit, uh, uh, I'm still wondering, will Christian and Gustav do any long distance races in 2023? I think everybody's wondering that. Uh, what can you share about that? So, of course... Uh... Everything depends on the return back to VTCS racing now. If we see that we are ahead of schedule. So originally, uh, we were discussing uh, a little bit what our expectations are and so on. And I don't think that we will... Initially, our expectations are where that uh, being able to stabilize the performance uh, on the podium in VTCS racing will probably take at least another half year before we are there. So... First year, first part of the season will be more dialing back in and figuring out what kind of changes we have to make to the program now in order to become competitive, uh, competitive at the podium again. Uh, if we see that we are ahead of schedule and things goes much faster than what we expect, that will of course open up the possibilities to start to do long course racing again. But if we see that we really need the time to stabilize the performance at the highest level in VTCS racing again, then, of course, it will be too much of a risk going back, doing long course racing uh, and mix and mixing it up with that. So it depends mm-hmm. It depends very much on, on how fast we're able to bring it back to highest level in VTCS racing again. Yeah, and does, does that include even races like the shorter 100k distance races that the PTO uh, put up, or would that be possible more easily to combine combine with the WTCS? Uh, so I think I think uh, the half Ironman and PTO races are absolutely more doable within without uh, having uh, the same impact on on racing and specialization as Ironman racing does. So. Absolutely, PTO and, and half Ironman races are more likely to happen. Uh, long uh, or the full distance uh, like Ironman, that's uh, and will entirely de- depend on uh, on uh, how quickly we are able to stabilize the performance. Yeah, what what is this is something I should have checked. But what is the is the calendar out for next year for the WTCS series? When because this year the first race happened quite late in May in Yokohama, I believe. And uh, and of course, it ended late uh, towards the end of November. Just just now, is is the schedule out for next year already? Uh, pa- parts of it, it, it parts of it, it is out. Uh, the two first races, uh, there might be some just some new recent updates happened now this week or previous week. But last I checked, uh, the last race to that or the the last race I saw now uh, that came back on table early in the season was uh, actually Abu Dhabi. So Abu Dhabi will actually happen again the 4th of March. And then I think the schedule on VTCS level is quite open yet until Yokohama happening late uh, late May. So uh, first race is 4th of March back in Abu Dhabi. All right, yeah. Um, then... Regarding going back from going from a long distance focus this year and going back and focusing on Paris and uh, short distance racing, um, what do you think are the biggest challenges with that, and why do you think nobody has managed to do that successfully? I, to be honest, like maybe not that many people have even tried because generally, historically, people have stepped up from short distance to long distance, 
and maybe some of them have dabbled in both, like Alistair Brownlee, Javier Gomez, and, and the likes. But even in, in those examples, you seem to see that those athletes that have tried to do both have not really been that successful in either, almost. And, and nobody has really gone from focusing completely on one to focusing to going to long distance and then focusing completely on short distance again as far as i can remember but uh, do you think it's yeah basically what do you think are the challenges with going back from long distance to short distance it's a little bit hard to tell and of course that's uh but that is the, of course uh, the challenge uh, that we really like of course, uh, on the one side, it can be age, just as simple as that. And that when a lot of the athletes has been transitioning from short course to long course, they have been a uh, uh, little bit more towards the end of the career. They start to feel that their performance in the short course are, are falling behind and they transition to, to long course uh, where it has been easier to be competitive uh, before. I think that will also change. Um uh, uh, but there might also be that, and this is of course some. This is a part we do study now, and that is also that there are structural changes also happening. That is actually much that takes more time to reverse, or not necessarily call, let's, let's let's not call it necessarily a reverse, but well, you could call it a kind of a reverse. But basically, being the structural changes back to VTCS racing or the speed required, uh, speed and dynamics required in VTCS racing. So. Really, what is the main cause is will only or will still remain speculations. But um, age can be one factor for sure. Uh, but also purely muscular, structural, uh, uh, cardiovascular changes um, can be another factor. Uh, thirdly, also, um, I think mixing them both up at the highest level, that, that will require more volume in the training than what has maybe most athletes have been normal to do or used to do even at very high level or highest level. Um, we have done, that was also the reason for after the Olympics or before the Olympics and after Olympics, we did a lot of uh, tests. Uh, some targeted, uh, some untargeted, everything from down to mRNA uh, and protomix uh, all the way to more known uh, forms of testing from, of course, lab testing that we have done uh, plenty of uh, to EMG studies and so. Um, and then following them on a regular basis throughout the year uh, now until we are going to do, we're going to end actually that part now in December. And then basically when we now start to go back again, it's a little bit, uh, I, I use a little bit the metaphor that it's, it's like if you have water uh, and, and that has a pH of uh, seven, and if you pour into something that is, let's call, let's call the, the VTSS racing uh, more acidic and, and, and the Ironman racing more alkaline. So now basically when you are transitioning from the, let's say, the more acidic racing to a more alkaline part, that to bring, to bring it back. So if we said that Christian was representing the perfect balance of so pH 7 after that was the reference going uh, out of uh, the Olympics. Now it becomes more alkaline. There are two ways, of course, to try to bring this back to that, to that, let's say, pH 7. One, if, of course, that you just pour in an infinitive amount of specificity 
so that you dilute it from that, let's say, more alkaline back gradually back down to uh, pH 7. But do you ever come back really to a pH 7 or it's, is it 7 point something? Uh, and at this level, things we are talking about margins. Or can we do that even faster by pouring in some acidic, some acidity in there and to bring it much faster back to that pH 7, for example? And uh, uh, now with all the studies we have done, we have, of course, a good picture, but we don't know 100%. We just have to go a little bit experimental training uh, with, of course, much the same as before, but with some more specificity or some other changes trying to bring it faster faster back to Olympic level. Um, uh, but it is a learning process. It is a learning process to figure out mm. what, what, what really works to bring it as quickly as possible back to Olympic level. When you mentioned structural and muscular uh, differences or changes that are required, uh, what do you refer to? Is, is it like actual muscle fiber typology or some metabolic changes within the muscle what, what is what is specifically that you mean uh well that can be that can be some parts of it but of course that's again uh the difficulty with physiology is that there are some there are of course parts we can measure but there are even more we can't measure so in the end of course it will always come back to measuring performance as a function of speed or power uh metabolics is starting already to get a little bit too far away but it is exactly like for example structural changes to uh, muscle fiber typology um uh recruitment uh, uh structural changes to the heart for example one thing that we do know for example in ironman is that you don't really need uh, an equally big heart in Ironman racing as you do in VTSS racing just because the power output is much lower, the oxygen consumption is going to be much lower. And uh, one can imagine that, it, of course, it takes some time to, 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 to cause enough both time and stimulus to, to, let's say, call it grow the heart big enough to really be uh, both... Uh, let's say powerful and or powerful enough for VTS racing that when you come down and you do long course racing for a longer period and you want to go back to this that that uh, uh, that takes time but also as we age of course the flexibility also uh, is reduced uh, in everything from muscle fibers and other things so that means also that uh, the stimulus required to let's say, um, build it back also, uh, or the plasticity or, or flexibility is also less. So it also requires a different stimulus to bring it back there again. I really, to be honest, I really don't know. Uh, if, I, if I knew, it would be very simple. But that's, the, of course, the interesting part with it, that we don't know. We just have a lot of ideas, theories about what pot potentially can be the causes then trying of course to find metrics or way to quantify it and then of course learn as we go what really is changing what is changing and when we are trying to change it back then understand more the resistance or, or if there are resistances uh, bringing it back to to uh, to uh, back to let's call it what it looked like the day that christian won the olympic yeah 
And uh, you mentioned that uh, long-distance racing will at some point, maybe soon, be as competitive as short-distance racing. So uh, that implies, which I think is fairly clear if you follow both, that uh, at this point, short-distance racing is slightly more competitive, more difficult to be successful in. Of course, the margins are generally slower, like the difference between a gold medal and a fourth place can be a few seconds but why why do you think that uh at this point it's still more competitive on the short course side what what is that down to is it the talent pool just the format of the racing or is it is it down to coaching quality or coaching methods federation support i think it's a combination of all of them personally i think it's a combination of all of them let's put it this way when you when you think when you think that long distance racing will at at some point in the next few years be as competitive as short distance racing what are the things that are changing in long distance that is making it that is closing the gap so i think of course one of the things okay so one 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 key difference i do think there are between uh vtcs racing or olympic racing and long course racing is that in long course racing people at least from if you if I if I try to have more like a helicopter sp- per perspective or outside perspective of it, I very often see that a lot of coaches and staff and people athletes everything that are in, that are involved in the long course racing are obsessing much more over details about uh, IDs um, uh, measurements and these kind of things, but really not able to bring it down to a let's call it a sound or 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 into a program that really makes them excel or go faster in vt in vtcs racing you'll find a lot of coaches really good coaches that really they don't understand they they don't use much technology they don't use much technology they uh, they base it more or less on let's call it more empirical uh, approach of what works and what doesn't work in these kind of things and they do they they have to understand coaching and they have to understand they have to be maybe more pragmatic more logic uh, maybe a little bit simpler even in their programming and so on and of course for so and i think that that requires them also to see the people that they are working with also on a on, on a different level than 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 what is normally in ironman racing i think that for a coach that are working this way and really uh, learns to work without technology and then starts to bring in technology to answer specific things is a much bigger strength than going the other way around where you just start to use technology or i think it requires a completely different skill set and it's more difficult to master i don't say it's 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 impossible to master but i think it's more difficult when you when you are obsessing over details and some metrics and and one doesn't realize that uh, that actually there are more things that we are not able to measure than what we are able to measure and this is the coach when you are in a setting and you don't measure anything you you, you see the athlete you just have to take the athlete into account you see basically what they are doing you are you you are you are focusing on the main important metrics and that is basically how fast do you cover a distance from a to b which is really in the end the the only thing that matters um and then trying to make that better smarter and so on and then eventually you can put in more technology so i think actually it comes down to that the coaches coaches and the programs that are in vtcs racing are normally more uh, adapted to or closer to to peak human performance how they work than 
it is in our in Ironman racing. But this is, of course, what will change. And when you bring up both coaching and technology at the same level in both of them, then it, it, then you will basically it would be impossible to transition equally fast from uh, Olympic racing to on 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 to a long course racing. Of course, you can't. Uh, of course, we can't make this. Uh, it's not the same, of course, to compare it to a marathon and to, to, to a 1,500-meter, for example. But you'll never find a 1,500-meter runner that's going to go and win a marathon. And you're not going to find a marathon that's going to win a 1,500-meter. Of course, these are two different com- – this, again, is a different domains. So it's not a, really a good comparison, but it gives a picture of it. And that's the same thing that you'll see in Ironman too. The demands that are required in Ironman are different than what is required in VTCS racing. But when people really bring it closer to peak human performance – and where it has, then we are starting to look at margins there too. And those margins, you can't gain them in, in three weeks or four weeks. You can do a lot in three to four weeks, but you will never get the last part to become competitive. And that's exactly back to then what you say. Then the difference between the fo- first place and the fourth place is not going to be minutes or tens of minutes anymore. It's going to be coming down to maximum minutes and maybe even seconds. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to hear your perspective on it. Now, moving on to some uh, training questions. Uh, the first thing I want to ask is, uh, you mentioned already the, the racing schedule going from Kona, same on three worlds in St. George, Bermuda, and then Abu Dhabi. And that was all in the last, I don't know, six, six weeks, those those four races, uh, seven weeks maybe. And, and I yeah, I'm just curious, what makes... a Christian and Gustav able to recover so quickly to do all of those races at very different levels of intensity as as well. So, are there any any things that you do outside of training, or and how do you adjust training to to make sure that to to keep up with that race schedule, basically? So, I think there are of course a, a few key few few key things. Uh, one of the main key things would be, for example, share volume. So, obviously, for an athlete that doesn't train i'm exaggerating now a little bit just to prove but more a little bit to 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 um not prove but uh, get my point uh, forward and that is that if you take an athlete that trains 10 hours a week and he does an ironman uh that's gonna that that will be a major impact on him during that race for an athlete that are doing uh, 30 to 40 hours a week and then going into an Ironman. Of course, an Ironman is going to be a tough because you seldom do uh, eight hours or seven and a half hours of all out in, in your training one day. But of course, you, we, we try to bring it close to that. But that means also that now the volume or let's say the load that you are getting in a single race compared to what your body is adapted to, the ratio between the two is, 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 is not extreme. So that means also that the recovery time now after that one compared to an athlete that are only training 10, 10 hours a week and suddenly doing a race that is, is, is 10 hours in one day, that will have a completely different impact on it because he's not adapted to doing something for 10 hours during one day. So here, one is pure, purely what the athletes are adapted to. Secondly, I think also that we don't very much stress. I think that one of the biggest mistakes one very often do is that one do- doesn't have enough uh, uh, patience, patience, or 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 to put it another way, you, you, I think many athletes and coaches they are stressing too much. A, a race like Kona 
is on the one side you can say it's a race uh but it's also a huge stimulus to the body as well so you're doing something that that has a huge impact on your body and allowing the body to adapt from this also is actually going to make you stronger afterwards too if you time in now when you start to bring in the next training there but starting to stress that you want to get in more and more workouts and you're trying to push it a little bit too early will most likely uh slow down the adaptation and worst case you don't get necessarily the, the, the adaptation or the, from the stimulus that you that you put yourself under during the race so I would say two key things. One is listening, having just discussing and having good dialogues with the athletes and seeing a little bit when we start to bring up the training again, how they respond to the training. But again, don't be afraid of bringing it down if you really need to. Uh, but main reason for why we also can do this is because the, the uh, let's say the volume that they are adapted to or the training load that they are adapted to is of course uh, on the edge of what you'll see even in at the highest levels. I think uh, I think that even when you compare on VTCS level or Ironman level, Christian and Gustav is probably two of the athletes that are putting down some of the biggest volumes uh, that we do see and. Uh, then of course, uh, uh, yeah, and of course other things as well. But I would say those are those are the two main main components to it. So a follow up question on that: after Kona, for example, do you know roughly how many hours did Christian and Gustav train uh, in the week after the seven days after the race? And secondly, when did they do the first harder workout after Kona? Uh, I should know because I'm I, I'm making the programs <laughs> and following up the training, uh, but I have to admit that uh, I don't uh, I I have to go back in and look. Uh, but I do. Let me see. So after Kona, we had a few days of very easy training. Maybe it was approximately, but again, this is also one of the differences because high intensity doesn't, or high or medium intensity doesn't, doesn't mean necessarily the same as a hard workout because a hard workout is a combination by volume of medium intensity or high intensity. So you can have very, you can have a few high intensity intervals during your session and it's going to be an easy session. But if you start to bring up the volume of that, then it's going to be a hard. In the same way as a, even a, a low-intensity session is going to be hard at some point if you just put in enough volume on it. So if we just talk about in terms of uh, hard, uh, if we talk about it then in more of uh, when did we really bring up the, the load again, that was probably only when it was one and a half to two weeks left. We, 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 we tried to bring in just a little bit of specificity in terms of uh, then training load uh, bef- before before the race there. But we gradually build it up towards that. And uh, and mostly the, the week after, uh, it was easy, easy and more keeping it more on, on an enjoyable level. Uh, and then uh, as they started to feel that the body was starting to respond again, we started to bring, bring, up, bring up the volume again and, right. and the training load, yeah. Yeah. Um- and uh, in terms of the training, if we can compare Kona versus what you will be doing now, focusing on the WTCS, and let's say maybe not now when the season is ended, but when, when you will be in a key phase of preparation for a race like the first WTCS race, what would a typical swim 
look like for the, the next WTCS race versus what would it have looked like for a key Kona preparation swim, just to compare and contrast a bit? So key sessions, of course, are spe- specific for us. I, 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 of course, you need to build a fundament around specificity, but if you have a good fundament around specificity, then I think specificity is the key. Um, uh, and that means, of course, that Kona, there you're looking to, to, there you need, you need to be able to swim fast, but you need to be able to swim fast for 3.8 kilometers. So typically key sessions there will be much longer intervals. Uh, not, we can have maybe some easier swims that are continuously close to four kilometer or, or around four kilometer. But let's say the more key sessions, they will typically be broken up into a little bit more, uh, more into intervals. So they would typically then be shortest, maybe 500 meter, more thousand meters, for example. But we don't use very much of it. It's, it's a, it's a rather low dosage of that, uh, that is required because we are working on much shorter intervals and that's more because of the swimming, the nature of swimming modality itself. So it's much more interval based. Um, uh, but more, the closer we get to the race, the more specific, the specific it becomes. And more specificity means basically you are going to swim three and eight, 3.8 kilometers and then getting on on your bike afterwards. So, so you need to adapt to, you need to adapt to that. So yeah, three point eight kilometers broken up into long long intervals. What would the recoveries be if you do something like I don't know four times one thousand? How long recoveries would you have? So then again, specific specificity would of course be three point eight kilometer or let's say four kilometers mm-hmm. uh, without any recoveries. But since we are breaking up intervals, it means also that now the recoveries are very short. So typically, it can be like one minute recoveries or something maximum two minutes. But it's just to basically have a short break, do some sighting, get in some fuel. If, if you have access to it uh, and then back into it again because we are not looking we are, it, again specificity here uh, is not coming the first thousand uh, the, let's say that the, the specific stimulus we are looking for here is uh, for example that your technique doesn't fall together when you are getting closer to 3.8 kilometers but actually you are able to maintain a good good uh, technique also when you're getting closer to 3.8 kilometers so if now you're bringing in a lot of breaks you have longer breaks in between like five minutes break or something like this so uh, between each of these intervals it means also that you get enough time to really bring down everything from your core temperature heart rate everything in your body starts to normalize normalize more again and you are fresher much fresher going into the next interval which then can cause let's say a, a false positive uh, impression of that oh this looks really good but in fact if you had just brought brought down the the uh, uh, pauses uh, between uh, the intervals you will suddenly see that the athlete is starting to fail after when it comes to two and a half thousand meter or something like this and if that's going to happen in a race that of course is really not good because your race doesn't end when you come up of the water you're actually pacing yourself in a way that this is just close to the warm-up of the whole race itself. So that means that you really have to be adapted to be able to execute a really good swim uh, uh, and set yourself up for a perfect race rest of the day because that's when the race is being decided. It's not being decided on the swim. 
And uh, what would uh, key swim for a WTCS look, look like? So in VTCS racing, uh, this is, of course, uh, it would boil very much down to what kind of volume. We have been making bigger changes to the swimming program the last year than what we have done in, I would say, the last Olympic period in total. And we are still making more changes now because we already know, we already have quite good insight into what the course and uh, course is going to be in France. And we also have a pretty good idea about what the strategy of, 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 uh, of the French uh, athletes are going to be. So we think absolutely that we, we need to bring up the speed, uh, speed more on the swim than what we have done in the past. Uh, I think one thing that we have to remember is that it's not being the fastest swimmer we, we we see is not necessarily the people that are winning the races, but you have to be fast. You have to you have to be able to stay in the front end. That's of course one of the things that we saw now in 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 both in Bermuda but also in, in Abu Dhabi is that if you get a good strong if you get a strong breakaway group, that of course requires you either to be strong enough to bridge up that gap there. And then finish off strong, like Christian did in in the grand final in Edmonton uh, last year uh, when he when he took the world title. Uh, then he came out of water quite late, and then it was he basically bridged up the whole gap just on the last round. But of course, that then he had the VTCS racing in his body. He 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 was strong, uh, or let's say. Uh, uh, he was uh, specified for that, those, that kind of racing while now coming back from Ironman racing. Uh, uh, if we swimming, swimming became more critical for where you ended up in the last part of the race. So of course, this is something we are changing also now. So that means that typically key sessions more in, 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 um, leading into a race will again be more, uh, probably now, let's say, uh, the same kind of version, but broken into a little bit shorter. It also, instead of that, you have fifteen uh, hundred meter continuous, which also will be very specific. But it can also be now more four hundred meters. You have like four times four hundred meter, uh, some something like this. But again, also uh, even shorter intervals again. So it's skewed a little bit more towards the let's say the higher velocity domain uh, compared to when it is closer to an Ironman, where it's more into the a little bit lower velocity, but more uh, endurance domain. Mm. For the WTCS swimming, is the expectation that the swim will basically be an all-out affair and then you still need to be able to recover well enough, uh, be able to bike strong, run strong? Uh, so would the training also reflect that, that if you do those 4 times 400 it would be basically 4 times 400 best effort? Or is there some kind of pacing element to it that you need to be able to swim 1,500 meters at... 90 to 95%, not 100% and still be fast enough? No, I, I, I don't think it can be 100%. I think it has to be in, it has to be more in the domain of 95%. That's mm. somewhere between 95 and 100% to, to put it that way. Uh, 100% for sure not, uh, but let's say around 95%. That's, that's where, mm. and, and still be fast enough. Yeah. And uh, what about uh, bike sessions, if you can describe a key session for Kona and a key session for WTCS? So key session for Kona, it depends again the timing on where we are before the race uh, and if we need to make some adjustment, let's say that but let's say that everything is on track, then typically key session for Kona would be uh, as you probably saw from Strava uh, the weekends before. Uh, 
180 kilometer on the bike, uh, close to race pace or race pace, uh, or I make it simple race pace. Um, the same for running, it will be 40 kilometer, uh, runs or pretty much, but then also combined, not isolated, but actually combined with, with, uh, with biking. So typically those days, the closer we get to a race, I will start to even use days as intervals. So in the same way that you take your training and you break your training, let's say your distance into intervals there, we are breaking also the race itself also into intervals, but more in the micro cycle. So, uh, that means that, uh, that means that, um, I can, we, or then we can do, uh, swim, bike one day, uh, with a very short run afterwards or skipping the run if necessary. And then the day after is going to be a specific bike and a specific run. So specific swim, bike one day, and then the next day, or let's say shorter specific bike, but specific, uh, uh, run, for example, for more or less to, to cover the full distance. Um, in and, and both of those bikes, both of those bikes on day one and day two would have a lot of uh, specific race intensity yes. in them. Both the longer one. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. The only thing that would not be specific to it is basically the warm up, uh, yeah. the warm up of, of the first one of them. So let's say that on the first day they would maybe warm up a little bit on the swim first, but then go boys basically into a four k swim, and then afterwards, yeah, they can have a little bit of a transition time, uh, but then getting on the bike and then basically doing the one hundred and eighty k on the bike. Uh, but then you're already fairly warmed up. So you don't need a warm up. You can just basically gradually bring you straight into race pace intensity. And the breaks that you're having there is basically just enough to fill up the bottles, uh, make some, in, make some measurements, uh, and, and a short dialogue. And then it's off again. So maybe a max a couple of minutes break, uh, split into, let's say four or five, uh, four or five breaks. So let's say four breaks. So you're doing, it would mean that you're doing, 40 to 50 kilometers and then make a short measurement stop fueling up a little bit and then off again after one to two minutes again uh run run would be fairly much the same uh uh so the day after then it could typically be that the bike is getting uh a uh, little bit shorter uh a little bit shorter than, than than the day before because you already have now the swim and the bike also in your body um uh, and uh, so keeping the bike uh, maybe a little bit longer than half of it, but let's say 100k, and then uh, and then basically uh, doing the full 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 marathon, but with uh, now um, uh, again same concept again, uh, short breaks just to fuel up, make some measurements, have a short conversation, and then off again. So one two minutes of break break there as well. Yeah. So would the intervals be something like? 10 kilometers long before a short break or how, how long yeah. would they be? Yeah, that yeah. could be. Yeah. Well, this is something you see a lot of, uh, a lot of people doing uh, things like 20 minute rep repetitions at Ironman pace or even 10 minute repetitions is not too uncommon to see. I get the sense that, uh, you think that that's just not, not, not a very smart or not, not an optimal way of, of training. It's, is it, it's too short because you're going to ride for 180 kilometers, which is four, five hours, six hours, seven hours. If you're an age grouper, uh, depending on your speed, of course. Um, yeah. Is, is that a fair assessment? 
Yes, uh, because I think that we have to look at the limiters again. So if we look away from instruments, so if you have instruments, you, of course, then you will get the objective measurements of this if you know what to look for. But if you if you look away from that now and you are looking, what are we actually trying to adapt the athletes to? Because the athletes obviously can run much faster than race pace if they just bring it down into shorter intervals. That's that's not a problem. And even if you bring down the volume of the session also to sh- much shorter than what you're doing in racing, that also doesn't you you don't because you're not really adapting towards of course there are always different cases that so you have to look at it a little bit by case to case basis but if you if you general if we generalize it a little bit more then we can say that what you really are looking for and the big struggle if you ask an athlete after after he'd been doing an ironman when did things start to fall apart for example when 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 was things really starting to be tough for example if you ask kipchoge for him running, if you ask him after 10 minutes of running, 21 kilometer, uh, 21 kilometer power, 22 kilometer power, you ask him after 10 minutes, he would say, feels like a breeze, super easy. Half an hour later, you ask him, feels like a breeze. An hour later, probably still going to say, feels like a breeze. But now when you're getting closer to 30 kilometers and so on, he will start. And most likely now, the closer you get to the end of a race, for him also in a marathon, he would say this is a 10. I wouldn't be able to run a second faster on the kilometer than what I did, and that is because also RPE is it, it, it's it's a uh, it's a scale that are lacking one dimension, and that is time. Because you're looking at just something. Very often, when we go into the lab or when we're doing some testing, we normally say that okay, so threshold should feel like seven to eight. But so you have a, you have a you have a you have a you have an idea that when you go at this speed, for example, this effort, this speed or this power, then or this velocity and this power, then basically okay that when my my, my threshold, then it should feel like a seven eight, or if I do an Ironman, it should feel like four or five. But you're not you're never gonna get over the finish line in an Ironman where you really have gone to your max and feel like it's a five you will feel this is a 10 you couldn't done anything more so fatigue is something that i think too often is neglected neglected because it's painful we are a little bit afraid to maybe prescribe it in in the training and these kind of things because uh yeah who knows uh uh and if we neglect that we will never get the stimulus or the adaptation required to really be able to excel and that's why i think that in let's say if we generalize i would say that uh bringing it down in two short segments you are not getting really the adaptation that you're looking for to do in a race because in a race you're looking actually to be able to do 3.8 of swimming 100 followed by a very short transition 180 kilometers of of of, of biking and then a very short transition to the bike no, to the run where you're doing a 42 kilometer run. That is what you really are looking to do. And when you go out and you do a run a day, for example, and you have no fatigue in your body, you could even say that, well, doing only a 42 kilometer run should feel fairly easy at race pace when you have not done the biking up front and swimming before that again. So again, it comes very much down to where are the limitations of the athlete. But I think that for most of them, it comes down to it comes down to uh, uh, being able to have uh, execute with 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 really good efficiency or technique, despite starting to have accumulate more and more fatigue in the body. And of course, there are other parameters that will come back to later on as well that I think will make this more obvious also for a lot of people uh, when they are trying to specialize for 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 these kind of races. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And uh, in contrast, for a short course race, what would the key bikes and runs look like there? 
So key bikes and run uh, would again be more specific. Uh, again, uh, this depends a little bit on what kind of training philosophy you have. But again, here, if we assume that you have a good fundamental round and you can, and that allows you to bring in a lot of specificity. Uh, the interesting, the, the difference, of course, between VTCS racing and Ironman racing is that Ironman racing is much more stable racing. There are less, much less variation. Yes, there are some break, or trying to do some breakaways. You bring up the power a little bit to open up a gap. But again, the power variations there are very, very small. In, in VTCS racing, you have breakaways. You have people even doing pelotons. So there are more fluctuation in the racing and these kind of things. So specificity here is more bringing in the elements that we think are specific to, for example, Bermuda, Abu Dhabi, uh, Yokohama, or Leeds, depending on where you're doing your, where you're doing your racing. So, for example, uh, before Bermuda, in, when we took the triplet in 2018, I believe it was, then we sat down and we assessed the course there, looked at, okay, where do we think that we can make a little bit of a shock to, to our competitors? And then basically we said, okay, if we know that we are really strong on the bike, we are some of the most powerful guys on, on the bike, for example. So, for example, if we go now into Corkscrew Hill or now Duffy Hill, uh, and we go there close or around threshold power we know already that the threshold power that we are putting out are higher than the rest of the uh, rest of the people so if they now want to do a breakaway up that hill that's going to cost that's going to put a huge surge into them so if we now position ourselves going in front of the group there going into the hill there putting on good power and then we come over the top and you're already there because now you get a little bit this what you call it uh stretch you, you get a stretch effect because you come up the hill and there's a corner there we know also that if you have now only a gap there already a natural gap there coming out there because you just get the stretch in the field of a couple of seconds bringing up a, a gap of a couple of seconds when you're powering still now going comfortably comfortably at threshold if you now have a stretch of a couple of seconds, that means that if you want to bridge up those couple of seconds of stretch, that means that you need to put out now 650 watts for those seconds to really br- to, to, to bring up that, uh, to bridge the gap there. And that's going to put an even bigger surge into the people there. So VTCS racing is much more dynamic. We have much less control over the field because you can always have an idea of that this is what we think can be the some likely scenarios. But again, you can face something completely different because the, the tactics and, and dynamics of VTCS racing is completely different. But uh, that means also that the specificity there involves much more dynamics. You are still looking to cover close to, let's say, 40 kilometers in your training, uh, but you are doing also back-to-back uh, maybe more intervals, but where we bring in more like a brick session uh, of, of, of biking, running, biking, running, biking, running, but but accumulating, let's say, around 40 kilometers on the bike, 10 kilometers on the, on, on the run, but broken into, let's say, intervals with both elements because the transition also is very critical in VTCS racing. Lose five seconds out of the out of the transition zone in VTCS races, and you are already at a fairly big deficit between your the best uh, best uh, runners in the field. Yeah, five seconds can uh, it it looks pretty scary when it's 40 meters <laughs> up to the guy ahead. And uh, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I had a follow-up question on that. Oh, yeah, it was, it, do you expect that you won't be able to be in the front group on the swim uh, in every race? So, so do you train a lot to be able to 
bridge that gap maybe in the first couple of laps to um, to close the gap to the leading group if there if there's an attempt at a breakaway and just putting out really hard consistent power for um 10 15 minutes to to try to get close or get to to the front gap is that something that you train for so i i look at this maybe in a little bit of a bigger equation and that is that for i know that one of the questions we will probably come into is a little bit maximum sustainable energy expenditure but we can imagine that you have uh but to make it to simplify it we we can say that during a week you have people are used to train a certain amount of hours so let's say that's 25 hours a week for example now, when you're training those 25 hours a week, in order to be able to execute as planned, it means also you need to recover well enough between those sessions to also so that you, you are able to accord, uh, go according to the plan and progress throughout the plan. But that means also that what we are looking to do is the fastest triathlon. I think that... Uh, and of course, this this changes a little bit too, but it has to do a little bit with with priorities. So we, it's not like we think that okay, we need to prioritize more on the biking and and go harder on the bike in order to be competitive. It's just that we say that we think that to win a triathlon, if we put too much effort into the swim, that's going to slow down the triathlon in general. Remember, Christian won the VTCS uh, Grand Final and. And the overall last year, he won the Olympics last year, but still he came out of the water 30 seconds slower than, 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 than the rest of them. And even more, I think, in the VTCS, in the VTSS, but let's say around 30 seconds in both of them. So this, this, this comes more down to, to having an idea of what will allow us to race the fastest with enough of, let's say, our room of play throughout the race where we distribute this between swimming biking or running and that means that yes if we say that now okay we, we think that we need to be faster of swimming that's going to have an that's going to have a higher cost so if it has a higher cost that means that now we need to make some changes other parts in the program instead so if we see that the dynamics are changing completely that okay now we come to a level where where you really because people are just super good to organize themselves in a peloton in the front and it's and and it's difficult to get the group behind uh, to organize in a peloton then uh, of course you you need to move maybe some of that budget more over to swimming and be able to, to to bring up the speed a little bit more there but but it is in more of our let's say more in our in a total equation than rather just saying that okay the swimming is where it is because i know that we can make christian and gustav faster swimmers but the question is just gonna does that gonna make the triathlon faster and that is what matters in the end Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. So that, so that uh, leads to a follow-up question, which is how do you distribute the volume, the training volume between the three disciplines, between swim, biking, and, and running? And, on, and is that different when you're preparing for short course versus long course? Yes, that's different between short course and long course. I think that, uh, uh, and, and that also, it comes very much down to one the importance the importance of uh, the different disciplines again what's going to br bring you what's going to bring you to the finish line the fastest possible um, and of course in an Ironman uh, swimming uh, represents a smaller fraction of the total race and has a less impact on the end result than it has in a VTCS race. So it means also that we can more of the focus can be on 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 the on the bike and the run. Uh, uh, and especially the run, uh, 
but in VTCS racing, of course, swimming has a bigger has a bigger. Uh, we prioritize more swimming relatively to the other sports. Yeah. So, do you know off the top of your head a typical swimming week in meters uh, for Kona versus when you're training for the grand final or something? Uh, I don't remember exactly from the top of my head, but. Uh, I, 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 I actually, it, it would be unfair of me just to throw out some numbers yeah. uh, for for the listeners. Yeah. So, so I, I but but let, to put it this way, also that we are also making bigger changes now to the Olympics. So the Olympic Olympic training that we did leading into Tokyo will be different going into Paris when it comes to the swim. So swim distances that we are doing now leading into Paris will most likely come down in volume or distance a little bit. But brought up a little bit more in velocity, just because of the how the course is going to be, and 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 a little bit how because the course is going to be, it's also easier to understand what the tactics are going to be, and that means also that swim speed probably have to be a little bit, little bit higher um, as well uh, for the athletes. So the volume is going to down, going down relatively to the previous Olympic cycle, a little bit more focus, uh, slightly bring it up on on speed or velocity. Um, uh in in our but i would say that in general i would say that effective swimming time is approximately seven hours a week that that's what i would say mm. effective swimming hours yeah what, what is it about the course in paris that leads to those changes i haven't actually seen the course so uh, it's, yeah. it, it's not official yet or it's not uh, it's not published yet but uh, they are swimming in in the river uh next to or very close to the eiffel tower and then the course seems to be pretty will pretty will be uh, close to a tt course with with uh, very little little technical uh, parts there and let's say now you have an athlete that you decide is going to be your captain and then you take the rest of the national team uh, and just use them as domestics or the two other athletes as domestics obviously if you are a fast swimmer you're looking now to just maintain your gap after the swim all the way out and of course the french they are strong they are strong uh, strong swimmers so uh, then when 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 we at least we can infer that that's one possible scenario that's going to happen uh, then that means also that uh, that uh, we need to set up for a little bit faster swim trade off a little bit on on uh, on the other ones uh, uh, because you have you, you this is not a solo race it is it is a race uh, where there is a lot of dynamics and other people uh, into the mix that uh, can make uh, all the differences to the race yeah and if you had to speculate of course there's still a year and a half uh, or more until the olympics but if the olympics happen next summer uh who would be the french captain would it be current world champion leo berger or uh, double world champion vincent louis who was one of the big favorites before tokyo no idea yeah, I, I, uh, I, fair I, enough. I, but but they, but but, but it's, it's, it's they they do definitely have a strong enough team that they will have a strong captain and they will have strong domestiques either way. That's absolutely that's absolutely the French are the French are really uh, they are they are superpower in triathlon for sure. Yeah, um, let me see here because I did have a section on questions about swim training because we have talked in previous interviews quite a lot about bike and run training, uh, and I'm just checking which. 
I guess one question, when you were preparing for Kona, how many swims would you do per week and how many of them would be kind of key sessions or harder swims? Um, so I don't periodicize normally on a week basis. I Or microcycles doesn't take into account whether there's Saturday, Sunday, Monday or Tuesday or whatever weekday it is. So it depends a little bit more on what we are working on. So we can be working on everything from a microcycle, which only is two days all the way up to uh, even longer than a week. Um, but I would say that in general... If I were making a statistic, I you would maybe see during a week two to three harder sessions. Two to three harder sessions. Let's say two. If if I just had to go by a number, I would say two harder sessions during one during a yeah. let's say a normal week uh, or seven day uh, seven day yeah. Uh, week. Yeah. And I'm guessing with seven hours of effective swim time, that would normally be six session or six workouts total maybe maybe five some weeks but probably something like that yeah yeah um and other than the we have we talked about specific ironman preparation swims where christian and gustav also doing some swims targeting other aspects maybe specific limiters for their swimming uh whatever that might be or was it all quite specific uh no um we we had some interventions uh targeting specific also limiters uh for christian and gustav uh too uh, but we normally try to bridge it into the specificity too so it's more call it more like some something they focus on and then we start we work more around it or we try to bridge it as much as possible into specificity or we put it into the sessions that are around the spe- the specificity Hmm. And what were those limiters? Uh, well, uh, for Christian, he has uh, some limiters to his uh, to more of his m- movement in 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 his upper body because of his uh, purely just due to structural uh, how it's built structurally. So we, we need to work around it a little bit. Uh, so there it comes more down to some, some focus areas when he's not in the pool, but also in the pool, uh, but for periods. Um, for Gustav, it's more the technical aspect. So there is more about bringing up, uh, typically when he goes up to a higher, he, he has, he is an extremely good, call it a low intensity swimmer. He has, is extremely efficient there. He is extremely efficient when you go up to high speed. But in the domain, the race-specific domain, that's where he's suffering the most. And that's where we are more... There it's more about bringing in the mental awareness of what really is changing there and then gradually bringing in, let's say, that infliction into slightly higher speeds gradually as as we, as we build. Mm. And... Uh... In your swimming, how how do you control the the intensity? Uh, is it because that's something that we talked about as well in past interviews with um, well RPE being something that you always use, but also lactate, heart rate, speed, all of those things. How, how does it work in swimming? Is it any different than in running and cycling, or is it very similar? And can you just describe a bit how you use it? 
so in swimming it's it's speed oriented of or uh, or time time uh, oriented uh, so or velocity um, so uh, that is of course one parameter but it depends a little bit on the set on, on what kind of session if it's a specific session then of course velocity or time time and distance is basically what 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 dictates dictates most the session and then you try to Or yeah, but basically, basically, time distance is the is the key parameter. But on the sessions around uh, and a little bit further away from the race, um, then it's more. Uh, uh, then of course we use much more tools. So of course I use VU two. Uh, but the main and lactate, uh, we use instruments. Uh, we have a very close cooperation with form goggles now where we are making some new, new versions now that allows us to have more of the metrics, uh, real time in the goggles. Because this is, for me, swimming is, uh, underdeveloped sports, uh, for sure. Imagine in, in running and biking now, you can look at your computer and you have, you have real time biofeedback on what you're doing, your pacing, your everything from your pacing, cadence, heart rate, whatever you, you are deciding to focus on there. While in swimming, we never have this kind of feedback. And even as a coach on the side of the deck, it's very hard to really give specific feedback to, 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 to the athlete while they're swimming. If they now can swim and they can see this real time in the goggles, this is something that allows them to connect much more what they are doing with their feelings to and know whether things are right or, or wrong. Or not, let's say not right or wrong, but if they are on target, both on 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 intensity, but also on target on the technique. Put it this way: if you take an athlete and you say that, okay, I want you now to rotate forty-five degrees in the pool, and you film him, he, he for sure that athlete's gonna have that think that he's rotating forty-five uh, forty-five degrees. But in reality, you'll find very few that do. And when you are now saying, okay, okay, so let's exaggerate, let's bring it to sixty degrees rotation in the pool, for example, now just. To, to learn awareness of your body. The changes they make are so small and they think that they're almost falling or tipping over, but it, it, maybe it's just a balance issue or, or, or really a, a strong disconnection from what is really happening in reality and in, 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 uh, uh, and in their perception or, or, or feeling. So, uh, we use instruments, uh, instruments, uh, and we are bringing more and more instruments there to be, get more and more specific. Um, Lactate, of course, is something we use quite frequently, uh, especially on, yeah, well, on, on the easy session, we use it more to see that things are slow enough or then we, or we make changes to the program. Uh, on the key sessions, then we are looking more to maybe see, uh, further away from the races. It, it's more, let's say, the metabolism that dictates the speed, uh, or uh, speed in the pool while the, while the closer we get to the races, then it's more the speed that dictates, dictates, uh, there. But also further away from the races, since we're using quite a lot of instruments like lactate and so on, the athletes really have a good connection between, okay, where they are also, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that all makes sense. One follow up question on that. When, when you're preparing to, Win Kona, you know you have to bike a certain speed, or you know you have to run a certain speed. You know you have to swim. That's actually more varied depending on the conditions, of course. So the bike can also be varied, but but the swim is more about being in the right group. So so when you have those, when you do sessions in the pool, 
is it and you have a certain velocity target is it more a fact that you know that okay if we can do these thousand meter intervals with short rests on a certain speed and it feels at, like it's it's the right the right intensity it's not going all out uh then we know we will be in the right group or is it or, or can you actually make a translation between the pool speed and the open water and mm, you can make a translation between uh, because if it's rougher weather outside it's going to be slower for everybody uh and most of people swim in the pool anyway so in that sense you can make a translation of course between what's happening in the pool and what's happening open water not necessarily that you can take, do a direct translation direct translation uh uh, saying that, okay, if you swim this fast in the pool, you're going to swim this fast in, in, in open water, but more that you know that, okay, if we, if we stay at this target in, in the, uh, more, if we stay at this target velocity in the pool for this, this, this distance and or this kind of type of workout, then you know that you are going to be in the first pack also of the, yeah. or the first group also when you come into the water independently of, of, of conditions. So it's more about knowing what kind of, uh, or having an idea of what kind of capacity does the athlete have or need to have with some reserve to be in the position in the water independently of the conditions yeah yeah makes sense i know you have a meeting coming up soon so we have a lot of other questions and maybe we can make make time for another interview uh to to do the a second part uh might be after christmas because we're coming up on that as well but uh for sure let's let's do a few short questions first what the final one before the rapid fire questions is when we chatted last time i asked you what's your favorite piece of gear or equipment and you answered that uh, i can't tell you until after the olympics so yeah do you can you tell me now what is your favorite piece of gear or equipment um I'm actually more interested to, to because you wrote in the email that you, you you thought or that you you might you might have an idea on it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what I, you... I I thought that maybe it's the uh, the core uh, temperature sensor because of the role that heat played in Tokyo preparations and and I I know you've used it not just for uh, heat adaptation and temperature monitoring but also energy um, energy monitoring. Uh, so so is that is that the one? Uh, uh yes and no it's it, it was one of them but actually the core or or now <laughs> to avoid the confusion here actually one of the most interesting thing that we did last year uh, last olympic cycle and we are continuing to work on now is that we are developing a software that allows us to put all these all these kind of things into a bigger picture in a much easier sense than what we have been able to do before and that i think that is maybe the key very often, because even for me, uh, I only have a limited time available. And then being able to put all these sensors, all this data into sense, uh, in, into, into a bigger pe- picture and being able to, to make sense of it, out of it is actually, uh, one of the things that are, uh, I think the biggest fun, but also the, where it makes it even easier to individualize the training both in terms of efficiency or technique but also load uh for the athletes as well so it's, it, it, it is actually soft it actually is software is the the core of co- the core of it all mm, okay yeah well that's a good answer and uh rapid fire questions these are new ones not the same that you answered last time uh, the first <laughs> one is what is your favorite place to train home or fongromeux 
And what is a bucket list race or event that you would want to do? Get fitter. I don't. I don't do races. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, if you could acquire expert level in any skill in the world for yourself in an instant, what would it be? Reading human brains. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, uh, Ulla, thank you so much for this. Uh, I hope that we can get back to some other questions that that, are, that we still have to cover, maybe in, in another interview, a follow up one. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, thank you for this. This was great. And uh, where where is the best place for listeners to follow you and your work? Actually, I uh, I I my days are basically so packed that I I I have on my list to become better at social media. Uh, but I really do struggle with finding time time to it. And, and one of the main reasons why I want to find a little bit more time for social media is actually to bring forward all the great people that I have around me uh, that are making this happening. Everyone from Örjan Matsen, which uh, uh, brought me into this, to now the whole team that is working on everything from the software to our partners and so on, and really just tell tell a little bit, the, let's say, my personal story with 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 these people and and and, sh- and bringing them forward so hopefully that's gonna be i know probably linkedin and linkedin and 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 uh, instagram because it's very easy for people just to follow there uh twitter uh but uh, i'm i'm i've deactivated my facebook and messenger because i don't have time for it i even would like to quit a lot of other stuff as well because i don't have time for it but uh, i think probably Twitter, Instagram, and 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 for sure, yeah, at least Instagram and and LinkedIn is probably the two places where I will try to find more time uh, to really bring forward all the people that, that that is because they are truly amazing people. Not just what they do in business, but also on the side, they add so much energy to me and the team that it's uh, um, it, it really makes me humble. It takes a village uh, to to produce exceptional results, for sure, exceptional performances. Yeah. Uh, Thank you again. It was great to chat and hope to do it another time soon. Thank you so much. I hope that you enjoyed that interview. Uh, I think personally that following how Christian and Gustav uh, will do going back to short course racing will be definitely the most interesting thing uh, in professional triathlon racing next year. Uh, So it's great to get some firsthand insight into how they will go about their training and racing preparation. I know a lot of fans of the sport uh, think that they should stay and do long course or they should do Kona even if they focus on short course. Uh, I'm not at all of that opinion. I will love to see them focusing fully on short course racing and see how they do when they really uh, go 100% all in for that type of racing uh, towards the Olympics in Paris in 2024. Because of uh, Olav having a meeting uh, to go to right after the interview, we didn't get through uh, all of the questions I had prepared. We got through a bit more than half of them, I think. Uh, So one of the main topics I still would like to ask him about would be his thoughts on effective training for amateurs and a bunch of sub-questions and topics to that. So hopefully we can come back to that and other questions in the not-too-distant future. We'll try to schedule something. Uh, But until then, you can find the show notes for this episode on scientifictriathlon.com with the link 
links uh, to all our social media and uh, the past episode that we did, episode 264, and also uh, the interviews that I've done with uh, Adil Tveiten, who is the head coach and sports director of Team Norway. Uh, so I've done three interviews with him. Those are all also related to to the training of uh, the Norwegian uh, athletes that we discussed here, Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden, of course. Also something that I want to remind the listeners of that I think many are not aware of is that I do write a weekly newsletter where I put together my own thoughts and key takeaways from each podcast episode. So if you go to scientifictriathlon.com and sign up at the footer of the website, you can get my thoughts on this one on Thursday, which is three days after the episode is released. Uh, And of course, all future interviews as well. Next Monday is the 26th of December and uh, it's still uh, TBD, but uh, probably I will do some kind of year in review episode, still figuring out the details of it. So stay stay tuned for that. I hope that you will listen in as usual. And I also want to remind you of our Mallorca training camp at the end of March. We still have slots available. And I would say that if you've never trained in Mallorca or you've never been on a group training camp, then really consider this one because it's quite a fantastic experience. You can find all of the information on scientific triathlon.com and if you have any questions uh, just email me big thanks to our sponsors precision fuel hydration that you can find on precisionfuelhydration.com use their free fuel hydration planner to understand your fluid electrolyte and carbohydrate needs and get a specific and effective race strategy and book a free video consultation with the team if you want to refine it further use the code tts22 at checkout for 15 percent off your first order of fueling and hydration products and thank you to zenate use the zenate swim trainer to improve your technique power stamina and swim training consistency you can try the zenate risk-free for up to 30 days and get the special Senate and TTS bundle, including the swim trainer and a number of Senate training plans and on-demand workouts on senatesimtrainer.com for slash TTS. As the next episode will be after Christmas, I'm not sure when to say Merry Christmas. Is it before or is it after? I'll guess I'll do it once now and once in the next episode. So Merry Christmas and uh, thank you for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon. Mm-hmm.